On this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, we compare our rankings for the top 20 outfielders and top 10 DHs in the MLB for 2023. Then we get into our over or under predictions for records for the American League and National League Easts. And did the Brewers just fumble the bag on their ace for the future? Find out next. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd. He was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast episode 90. Alex and I are coming to you. It is February 23rd Thursday night how you doing Alex I'm doing good how are you doing Travis I'm doing well I'm doing well I'm happy to talk some baseball and happy to get into our last episode where we cover the top 10 at every position um, that's gonna be jam-packed with this episode but we'll cover some latest breaking news if you would say that for Major League Baseball right now spring training is going on in Arizona and in Florida Alex, let's cover one topic first. We have a we have a disgruntled employee to talk about. That's true. That's exactly uh, and correct. He's, he's he's an all star. He is a Cy Young Award winner. He is a phenomenal pitcher. It's Corbin Burns. So give me the latest on what's going on in Burns's world. Yeah, Travis Corbin Burns is obviously an ace. He is actually the pitcher who we both ranked a couple episodes ago. In our opinion, the best pitcher in baseball. Right? You had him number one. Did have number one. Yeah, yep. I had a number one as well. So we obviously think very highly of his skills and abilities on the baseball field. Um, but he, uh, as of middle of last week, has uh, sort of, uh, I'll, I'll just put it this way, the Brewers have worsened their relationship with their, probably mm-hmm. their probably their best player, right? Definitely. Um, and it's just really crazy to see uh, th- the Brewers favoring, saving some money uh, in order to kind of ruin a relationship with their superstar. So here's the more specifics. Um, Corbin Burns had arbitration this year, meaning uh, he has to propose a number, uh, wh- what he should earn this year. And then the Brewers also propose a number of what Burns should earn this year. And it's a really weird system, Travis. I, w- I don't know how it came to be, you know, but I wouldn't really su- I don't think this really makes sense. Like, I don't get how this is the way we do things, right? Mm-hmm. It just seems like an odd way to go. I mean, I wish I could go to my boss and be like, hey, I think I should make 300000 this year. What do you think? And then he gives me a number and we negotiate. That is, that's just not how most <laughs> jobs work, yeah. right? But yep. um, anyways, the way it worked for Corbin Burns and the Brewers is Burns, I guess, ended up, his final request was for uh, $10 million or $10.75 million dollars. And the final offer from the Brewers was ten point zero one million, so only a difference of seven hundred and forty thousand dollars, right? Um, not too much money to a baseball team, you'd think, right? Especially when you're talking about your franchise player, the guy who you want to keep happy, the guy who you probably want to be your best pitcher going forwards. For the Brewers, they could not come to a deal, so they have to go to like a court, and it was determined. Both sides make their case, and the Brewers ended up making a case to convince the court to go with the cheaper number, the the less expensive number. So Burns did lose the hearing. He 
uh, they picked the Brewers' salary to go with. So Burns will be making, I believe, $10.01 million um, in, the, in the new year. And then, Travis, the reason why this became a story, because every every all these players go into arbitration. Angels had like three guys go to court. I think Renjifo and Renfro won their cases. Urshela, Urshela I think, lost, the court, Urshela yeah. lost his case to the Angels, I believe. So... I mean, this is a very common thing, but the quotes afterwards from uh, Burns, Travis, were, I think, just like nails in a chalkboard to any Brewers fan. It just is not what you want to hear from someone who you is so important to your team's success. He essentially said um, that it was really tough to hear the arguments that Brewers were making against him because you're there in a court listening to your team explain why you only deserve X amount of money, right? And I guess the Brewers are just pushing really hard to make sure that they won the case. So they were providing all these reasons why Burns did not deserve that extra $740,000 in the next season. One of the things they brought up, Travis, that Burns uh, said it in the the interview, um, they told the court that Burns is one of Burns. If Burns had done better, they would have made the playoffs last year because the Brewers (laughs) of course missed the playoffs. It's like Burns was the best thing going for you last season. I don't understand how that even makes sense to anyone that actually watches baseball. Um, So anyways, Travis, the long story short is that Burns seemed very unhappy. It was like a full day on Twitter of people suggesting, you know, trades potentially because there's no way Burns is going to extend after the Brewers kind of treated him like this over what seems like it would be chump change. And the thing is, Travis, the Brewers, we constantly criticize them for kind of operating like a small market team, right? And Milwaukee's not a huge market, but the owner, I saw I saw a tweet about this, the owner actually is in the top half in terms of net worth for an owner for an MLB team. So it's not like they have like one of the absolute like, you know, I mean, they have one of the smallest payrolls, but it's not like they have one of the smallest, um, you know, Ownership pot- groups, potential yeah. budgets if the owner was all in. So mm-hmm. it's just uh, it's just really, really bad, I think, for Brewers fans. So um, it really seems like they put their relationship with Burns on the back burner in favor of uh, how important it was for them to win that case. But Travis, what was your takeaway from that whole situation, that whole debacle? Um and obviously, we think Burns deserves better. But I guess, what was your interpretation of all this? Yeah, the uh, the ten point zero one. Mm-hmm. It just sounds pretty petty, and it, it does. And honestly, if if I was in the Brewers front office, or at least if I was you know somewhat in charge of the payroll, I would have said, you know what, let's just give you eleven because we want to keep you happy. We think that you know you are an extremely valuable piece moving forward, which he is for any major league club. We ranked him number one out of all major league pitchers moving forward in 2023. Um, it it just definitely hurts the relationship. I I I think the, the 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 betting odds would say he will not be in a Milwaukee Brewers uniform um, after his uh, contract is up or after 2024 or 2025 when his contract's up. Could become a trade piece. Maybe not this season, but possibly even next offseason. We'll see exactly how all those um, chips fall. But it, it's it's disappointing if you are a Brewers fan because he is, Alex, in some ways, he might be your franchise pitcher. And when you look at the oh, Milwaukee. When it's, all, when it's all said and done? Yeah, when it's all said and done. I mean, I'm trying to look at Milwaukee Brewer pitchers in the past that have been this dominant, this good. Um, yeah, there's been some Cy Young Award winners, but I, I just look at Corbin Burns, and he, he is just on a stellar, stellar start to his career, especially in the Milwaukee Brewers system. So, and, I, and You mentioned the Milwaukee Brewers system. 
he was been with the team for seven years. Yeah. Five years in the big league level. It's like there's been a serious commitment by the player to your team and to, you know, yep. he, he's he's done his part essentially um, way higher than anyone expected. And it's just crazy to kind of turn around and say, hey, we only think you're worth this much. I don't really care what you think, but this is the number we have for you. And we're going to explain to the court why you only deserve this amount of money. Um, it just It's just something that Corbin Birds said multiple times. A lot of stuff was said that just didn't need to be said, but it, it's really crazy. Yeah, yeah. I... I, I... I can't imagine being a fan of a team like this and when you have to go to court with your, you know, your best or your favorite player and your team is basically making an argument why we shouldn't pay you more and and now you're supposed to sign with this team long term or sign with that front office long term. It just it seems like the relationships just get very uh, muddy in that situation. So um, I always look at other teams too, or even like the angels where you have so many players going to arbitration. You always wonder, I wonder how the front office and the player view each other or how this relationship goes. But for a guy like Corbin Burns, where we said he is a top major league baseball player, the best pitcher right now in the game. Um, that's very, very discouraging. And I think the story even goes further that uh, the hearing happened on like Valentine's day and he got home late on like Valentine's day. And he's like, I had to basically wake up my wife at like, 2 a.m. like saying like sorry I missed Valentine's Day I literally just lost a court hearing so it's it's funny that I think he lives in California because I know I'm looking at right here he you know born and raised in California in Southern California but uh, you look at a guy like him and he had to fly to Milwaukee or fly somewhere and then fly back that same day and you know you're just wondering to yourself I'm the best pitcher in the game and I got to do this stupid round trip just to lose a court case for the team I thought that I was going to be, you know, their future. And I was going to yeah. get invested so hard to be a Milwaukee Brewer for the rest of my life. But yeah, what a uh, tough, tough day. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, we have lots of criticism for the way the angels do business sometimes, but it's what we know best, how they do business. Cause we follow it so closely. And the one thing I give them a lot of credit for is with Otani, they've never, negotiated at all they've just said we're gonna give you this big amount of money probably more than you're asking for um sign on the dotted line and otani of course always yes. does because it's a it's always been a good amount i think he's making 30 million next year which for a player in arbitration like before you became a free agent that is a lot more i think it might be the record for like the most money earned in arbitration um so yeah and obviously otani deserves that but burns deserves a lot better i just feel like travis He's obviously more than a ten dollar, ten million dollar yeah. pitcher. So like that's it. You're on a discount as it is. Yep. Like you're getting an ace on a discount. Like think about how much money Verlander and Scherzer are making. Burns we think is better than them, and you're still pinching at you know hundreds of thousands. Yeah, he's a thirty three to thirty five million dollar pitcher at least. You know he's Garrett Cole type of money um, is what Burns should be probably looking for if um, if his time comes. If he's still dominant when he is a free agent, but. Um, that covers most of the Carbon Burns um, news. It, it was it was definitely kind of the biggest news coming into spring training, or at least when the pitchers and catchers all reported. Uh, a lot of media was were interviewing him in Arizona, just asking, you know, what's your relationship? And you know, he also was very honest and said, um, you know, it could be better. But right now, they have some things to work on, which I really wonder how that feeds into starting spring training off on the right note when you have that in the back of your head, like this team just doesn't appreciate me, but I have to go out there and, you know, show the fan base still that I am, you know, a viable brewer. But um, moving on, Alex, we will now uh, transition into our, you know, top players at every position. So 
Alex and I, uh, we talked last night. Uh, we were going to do. We had a, a meeting of the minds. <laughs> we were going to do our top 10 left field, right field, and center field, of course, kind of go over all of those three positions. Outfield's very funny because I feel like the center fielders have a set position. You play center field. Corner outfielders, left and right field, they change all the time, or they they will intertwine. They'll go play some DH at times. They'll play, um, they'll, they'll go back and forth in left or right field. And also, you look at some position players having to move because maybe a new player came onto their team this year. So uh, they will have to go to the other corner outfield position. So Alex and I came to the idea, we were just going to give you a top 20 outfielders. Um, if we gave you a top 30, it would get kind of, it would just, it would just keep it, lingering. It, it, it would, it would thin out towards the end. But yep. I think this way, Travis, we don't have to decide, okay, is Juan Soto going to be in left field or right field? Exactly. Oh, is Castellanos going to be in right field or left field? Like some of these guys, True. Um, Schwarber, like these kind of guys who are, all you really know is that they're going to be playing the field, but they're not a good defender. So you're going to throw in one of those corners. Yes. Um, those types of guys, Travis, we don't want to have to worry about us not being in agreement on, on where they're going to line up. So the the outfielder list, Travis, our top 20s, it's going to be based on everyone we expect to be outfielders. A couple notes off the top. Um, as we mentioned probably in our shortstop video, we did not include Fernando Tatis as a shortstop. We are including him as an outfielder. And then um, Jordan Alvarez, someone who we're actually including as a DH instead of an outfielder. So in case you're missing him on our list, that's why. Um, so the DH portion will come after the outfield. But um, in case there's any confusion about, you know, who might be where, we've discussed it beforehand. And hopefully everything lines up um, pretty well here. But Travis, I say we start at the top. Top as well. Yes, that's always the best One way. through like five. It. Who will go first? Uh, I'll do the honors, please. <laughs> so I'll start at the outfield, of course. Uh, top five outfielders starting at number one. Uh, he still leads it. It's Mike Trout for me. Number one outfielder in the game. Number two, I have Aaron Judge. Number three, Mookie Betts. Number four, Juan Soto. And number five, Julio Rodriguez, Alex. That is my top five for the outfielders. Let me hear you got. We'll discuss. We're already mixing it up. We're already some differences. I like it. Wow. Okay. Um, I, okay. I, I think as you probably expect, number one, we agree, Mike Trout. Um, we'll talk about it more in a minute, but I think that um, the only reason why he could possibly be worse than number one is if, uh, well, obviously, if Judge does what he just did again, then then he, that's just yeah. Um, the first time that's probably ever happened since like besides steroid users, the first time it's ever happened where someone was yep. on that level like in back to back years. But Trout is consistently around like a 170, 180 OPS plus. Judge has just one season above that, which was, of course, last year. So, um, And also the dude hit 40 bombs in 119 games or so. And it's like, the, the, g give me a full season of that. So, yeah, exactly. I think the only way, besides Judge just defying history, the only way that Trout is not the best outfielder next year, I think, in my opinion, is um, if he does get hurt again, which yeah. we're, all, of course... I mean, I, there are, there are injury risks for some of these guys, but I'm trying to avoid like factoring those in. You know, I just want to see course, like, yes. how how good are you is what I'm really thinking about. I'm not thinking about oh, let me pencil in like 30 missed games because of like a calf thing. I'm not, I'm trying to ignore that kind of stuff. So, I do have Trout number one like you. Judge number two, of course, has to be there. Number three, Travis. I'm already mixing it up. I am going with Fernando Tatis Jr. Ooh. 
So a lot higher <laughs> than you seems to have had him. We'll talk about him in a second. Four, I go Juan Soto, and five, I go Mookie Betts. That's okay. my top five. Okay. So four of the five are the same. Um, I'll talk about why I have Tatis this high, I guess. Okay. Yeah, please do. That's the big uh, outlier I want to hear, yeah. So Fernando Tatis, Travis, is coming off probably the worst like PR years any player has had since like any superstar has had since like the steroid era mm-hmm. um since probably like a rod or something but i was really disappointed in the way he got hurt you know doing off the field activities the motorcycle stuff they ask him about his motorcycle crash he says like oh which one it's like wait what do you mean like you're out there just getting crashes every day but and then on top of that of course the whole steroid thing happens the peds um, we've talked about it before on the podcast, Travis. I still kind of believe that he was not trying to take performance enhancing drugs for baseball purposes. I think it probably had something to do with some sort of treatment for something, for some sort of uh, uh, skin thing. Like yeah, ring, ring, ring people worm. talked about ringworm. You know, I don't know if that's true or not, but Travis, all I do know is I had this dry spot on my eyebrow, and the doctor gave me a cream that has steroids so it's like it's like a skin steroid so i do wonder if you tested me that day if i would test positive for peds i'm not sure but i did games 80 games straight to you yeah 80 games banned from the ymca gym (laughs) probably but but yeah i i think that there's a lot of um possible explanations i don't want to get too deep into his character and stuff all we know is the last time he was playing baseball for a full season, Travis, he was one of the three, probably three or four best players in all of baseball. Yes. He was yeah. doing it as a shortstop, of course. We're expecting him to become an outfielder, but he does have the speed and the tools to be a very good uh, defensive outfielder. I'm not saying he's going to become that. I don't think he's going to become a Julio Rodriguez or a Aaron Judge out there or a guy who looks like have they have the fluidity you know and like they've been an outfitter their whole lives kind of thing um but i do think he can at least be good as a guy like juan soto um as good like defensively i'm saying yeah and then uh i think that the the bat that tatis brings i think it has the potential to be like the next best hitter in baseball once you know trout and judge start fading out obviously i think it's kind of a race between tatis and soto and a couple other guys but i just really love um the offensive potential i think that this pick getting him at third is more about potential than what Mm -hmm. i fully expect we know he's going to miss games at the beginning of the year so it's not like i'm trying to predict what his war is going to be but i just think that he has the chance to be one of the top two three best hitters in all of baseball next season on a rate basis on 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 an average you know ops plus um basis and then on top of that if he's going to be playing right field with Soto and left, and if their defense is kind of similar, then I, I would I would probably lean Tatis personally, even though Soto um, is all world hitter. So yeah, um, it's very tough. It's very tough to, mm-hmm. to, to kind of decide. That was the hardest thing. I flipped I flipped Soto and Tatis at three and four multiple times. I think I just think that the ceiling for Tatis is higher. Okay, and the floor is probably kind of the same because at worst for Tatis, he will still be crushing the ball. Um, at worst for Soto, he's still getting on base a ton, but there might not be that much, that much power. So it's, it's it's really tough. But um, I think we should continue maybe, or we can talk about bets or Soto, but we kind of agree on them, right? Yeah, I, and I will say I was surprised. I was I was waiting for Soto to come third. I was I was was reading your lips, and I was like, why is he not saying Juan Soto? He's saying Fernando Tatis uh, Jr. But bold pick, Alex. I, I I like it. I I agree with you where it was. You know the end of 2021 and we were both saying 
Tatis is a top five player in the game right now. He's he's he is the best shortstop in the game easily by far. It was by far. It was by far. And, and it wasn't because of the defense. Like yeah, that, that's the yeah. thing. It was all about yeah. how good of a hitter he was. It is. It is. And, and it's interesting now that when you change positions like that, he'll be playing right field like Betts and I think still like Aaron Judge. But now it'll be fun to see him with that. Also, just some of those elite, elite um, right fielders in competition for, you know, best right fielders in the game. But for this and, purpose, it's an outfield um, judgment, uh, you know, and uh, position I, for us. I, I will add that, like, if let's just say him and Soto, let's just call the glove a wash and the hitting a wash, which I don't know if it will be. But let's just say if that's what happens, then then I think Tatis will be the more viable player. Yes, because he will be stealing bags at a very high rate. He was one of the most prolific bag stealers last time he played a full season. Also, he has a really strong arm being a shortstop. Uh, you know, we've always kind of said he could be a shortstop or a third baseman in the future. Yep. If he ends up being a right fielder going forwards, that's going to be uh, a difference maker between him and Soto, I think, as well. I think Soto's arm is not that strong, especially compared to Tatis. So I see this extra value in Tatis's potential to becoming like this five-tool right fielder, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, not not quite like... You know, I don't think he's going to be like Betts out there with the glove, but just in terms of the arm and the speed, it definitely could cover lots of ground, um, make some big plays, and then have one of the best bats in the game. So I, I am very curious this year to see what a right field Tatis Jr. looks like. So th- that's something that is um, I'm very intrigued to see and what he can bring, especially with those corner outfielders. But, uh, you know, it's funny. Juan Soto, he brings the insane insane on base percentage in walks the slugging went down a bit but i think that the slugging can still go up where tatis you see the on base i don't think tatis has ever had an on base percentage above 400 it's typically in the 300s or the 380s or 370s but the slugging is always in the 600s so he's always a high 900 ops type hitter um so it's it's interesting how soto is more the on base where tatis is more the slug but the hitting the defense it both can be kind of a wash but um Good stuff right there, Alex. I, I guess for me, the last person that you did not have, I have Julio Rodriguez in the top five. I think it was a 6.2 war last year with an absolute abysmal month of April, possibly even May. I think it was like the first 30 games, Julio's numbers were just, atro- they, they, they weren't atrocious, but they just were off to a very rough start. Picked things up, got it going towards the end of the first half, and then the second half was so dynamic and was able to put up, you know, just an insane rookie of the year with a 6.2 war. So I'm really, really interested to see what Julio can do in his sophomore season, especially playing center field, a spot where you're going to get a lot of war added on with uh, with just that that skill set. So um, he's my number five guy. Very t- a very very common, um, you know, top five except for the Tatis and Julio. We both have Judge and Trout, kind of our top two guys soto is the number four guy but alex i'll start with you who do you have to round out your top five, your top 10 six through 10 right now so my six through 10 six is going to be julio so we're pretty much in lockstep okay um, middle middle of 10 guy right now yeah yeah except for except for tatis if you just took him out we'd be the exact same yeah. i think so i do have uh julio at six seven i go ronald acuna jr eight i go kyle tucker Nine, I have Brandon Nimmo, and ten, I go to George Springer. So a little bit wow, of a okay. surprise to myself okay. when I was making this, but that's where I'm at. Where are you okay. at right now? Per, similar top half to what you said. So uh, number six, uh, I go Ronald Acuna Jr. Um, number seven, that's where I go Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, and then for the next two, two guys you do not have in your top uh, ten so far. Number eight, I go Michael Harris on the Atlanta Braves. 
Number nine, I go Byron Buxton on the Minnesota Twins. And number 10, rounding out, Kyle Tucker is my number 10 uh, best outfielder in the game. So um, I guess we won't talk too much. We, we both have Acuna, Tatis, Julio, kind of in that like, uh, you had Tatis a little bit more up, but we have the Julio, Acuna, kind of in that, it, it, I, it, it, it's a spot that I will say, I can see them elevating themselves way, way up if they have another great season or if they kind yes. of have a bounce back. Acuna didn't have a strong, strong season, came back from injury, but just really wasn't him his self as we've seen from um, seasons past. Julio, we're still waiting to see what he can do in a sophomore season. Uh, if he has the same season, Alex, Julio could be a top three guy next year. I, I agree. And I, I, I want to put a quick note on Acuna. He I think the reason we both have Julio above Acuna, I think a big part of that is because, like you mentioned, Acuna coming back from injury, expectations were a little uncertain, uh, didn't have the hottest season at the plate, but a lot of the underlying numbers, he still hit the ball really hard, he still has a good eye at the plate, um, a better eye than when he came into the league, so I think there's a lot to still like about what Acuna brings to the table. The biggest thing for me between him and J-Rod, I think Acuna will have the better bat, but I just know for sure, in, in in at least I feel much more confident that Julio is giving me elite center field defense with also elite speed. Yeah. Acuna is bringing the elite speed, but he'll probably be playing right field since Michael Harris is like the bona fide center field yes. glove for them. So Acuna is playing right field, and some of the StatCast metrics didn't like his right field defense last year. Some of that could be maybe he's a bit slower because of the injury in the knee. Maybe it might take some time to get those reactions back, or maybe he doesn't want to dive for balls to risk injury again. But if he ends up being a bit more passive out there, it's going to hurt those defensive numbers. So... Um, I just feel like Julio is a better bet on defense. Um, probably similar bet on the base pass. Mm -hmm. Those two will both mm -hmm. steal lots of bags. Acuna, I think his bat will be slightly better, but it could go either way in that department, which is why I favored I, I favored J Rod by such a small margin. I mm -hmm. do think Acuna is someone who I'm still kind of high on, especially for like a fantasy scenario, Travis. Yeah, where defense doesn't matter. I I think that like yeah. his bat is gonna be so good again. It wasn't that good last year, but he still hits the ball so hard. He's still so young. Um, it was just one really bad injury and he's going to figure it out. I don't think it's going to derail his career or anything like that. It, so. it, it's funny on fantasy every single year, Acuna is always top three. Most of the years he's even number one, just because he brings the stolen bases and he brings, um, the, the home run power. I think he even still had like 29 stolen bases last year. I think he had, he led MLB and caught, caught stealing, but really? he still had like 29 stolen bases where i'm just like geez like you know if you would have played a full season this guy easily has 40 stolen bases yeah the home run dropped off a bit but you know you're still looking at a guy that possibly could have had a rebound 30 30 season which is kind of funny for him because i mean i feel like he could be a, a guy that kind of moving forward especially in his younger days consistently could have 30 30 seasons because his speed is so good and the power is so good um Alex, we, we'll, we'll, I'll touch on it quickly. I, I know you're a big fan on Kyle Tucker. I have Kyle Tucker in my top 10 in kind of the 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 latter half of my top 10. But uh, take me through, and I, I know it's maybe somewhere on, on, your, on your bottom half 10, but Buxton or Harris, I, I know you have Nimmo and Springer. So They're take, on take, deck, Travis. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to say, but take me through don't, Springer and Nimmo. Okay, sure. Springer and Nimmo. I don't want to get too far ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Nimmo, the reason why I go Nimmo, I think his bat's underrated. He has one of the best, he's one of the best at not uh, swinging at bad pitches in the, honestly, in baseball. He's got a really good eye. 
Um, he's going to bring you... He's like a four-and-a-half tool player to me. He's going to bring mm-hmm. you good center field defense. He's going to bring you a, a good enough speed in the base paths. Um, he's going to walk a ton, which is something I really value. And then the power is not crazy, but it's not bad either. Um, Steamer next year projects him to walk about 12% of the time, only strike out about 18% of the time. Um, they think he can have like a something like a 366 on base. They have like a 132 OPS plus, which is uh, actually really similar to like Acuna and Julio, which I think he's going to be a worse hitter than them if I had to pick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I still think that what he does with the glove, um, what he does at the plate with the eye, the discipline, um, and then also a threat to steal bases as well. So I think that he's just such a good... He's almost my dream table setter, Travis, especially yeah. against a righty pitcher, his lefty bat. Um, he's just going to give you a really strong at bat no matter what happens. And uh, he's going to play good center field defense. Playing center field, I think, is a really valuable trait for... Um, this outfielder pool because good center field defense compared to bad corner outfield defense is like such a big difference, I Definitely. think, in terms of what you're providing for your team. So I'm really high on uh, on Nimmo. And, and one thing I will say, I, I think he was a monumental piece to a championship for the Blue Jays. I think they really missed out on a guy like that. Um, having And then you'll talk about Springer right now, but... I just I I feel like oh, what you're saying if if the if the Jays had got if him. the Jays have gotten Nimmo I I I knew that he was highly highly projected to go to Toronto and I just thought man a table setter for those big bats and being a lefty and a guy that gets on base a ton he just seemed like a such a under the radar championship move totally much, agree much more than some other some other like 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 people might say oh Verlander to the Mets is a bigger championship move I I don't I don't think so I think a guy like Nimmo going to the Jays is just a table setter to lead them to I mean I would think right now than an American League East Division championship I, a one or two seed a bye then they can really make a deep run in the playoffs but continue with uh with with Nimmo and Springer yeah I really like your point about you know, the Jays missing out. And to that extent, you can almost say the Mets did a great job of keeping him because if yes. they did not keep him in that leadoff spot and they let him walk for going to some sort of a opponent rival, I do not really know who the leadoff would become. Maybe they go McNeil for the contact approach, but McNeil's eye is nowhere near um, what Nimmo's is. McNeil's kind of a swing heavy guy, which is good for certain parts of the order, but I wouldn't really want that leadoff. Maybe they would go Starling Marte, but Nimmo is really their guy with the really good on base in comparison to a lot of their other guys who uh, it feels like if they're contact based like uh, like uh, McNeil or or, uh, or Starling Marte, they don't have that same eye that Nimmo does. So um, I think that it's great that the Mets held on to him. They just dished out big for him. And I think the money he's making is, is a testament to his value to that team. He's making a pretty big contract, I think, better than we might have expected. So that's my thoughts on Nimmo. I'm obviously a fan. Um, moving on, I'll talk about Springer now. Springer, Travis, I think is a really, uh, every year underrated. I think every year he's a little under the radar. Maybe it could be because he has a lot of nagging injuries that seem to prevent him from playing full seasons. I get that. It, it is somewhat of an issue. The contact might be dropping a bit from what it used to be, but I think that's true for all of baseball, honestly, just because of the new ball and the way these guys are approaching, uh, at the plate but i think he's someone who still has 30 35 home run power if he plays a full season um the defense might not be what it used to be but i think he can still provide you pretty solid defense i think he might be in left field next year honestly depending on how much time kiermeyer plays in center varsho plays in center or right you know we'll see how they decide to do that in that outfield but 
I think Springer Chavez just has a really underrated bat. He's got a pretty good eye on him. Um, not quite what Nimmo's is, but more thump than Nimmo for sure. Like I said, I think he could have a 30 or 35 home run season. I wouldn't be that surprised at all. Um, if I sort by outfielders by steamer, they actually have Springer as projected to be the 10th best Fangraphs war next season. Um, and that's including uh, a DH like Jordan Alvarez in that list. So maybe even ninth could be by, by their estimation. But Travis, that's just my thought that, um, you know, Springer, I think, is someone who is kind of always slept on. It might be for good reason because he might not always be available. He might spend too much time on the IL or things like that. But I think that even back in Houston, he was kind of under the radar because everyone looked at Altuve and Bregman in that 2019 season and Jordan in 2020. But then I think if you look over to... Uh, the Blue Jays, people might say, oh, it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., it's Bo Bichette, it's these other guys. I think Springer is such a key piece of depth for them that um, when he is playing, batting leadoff, it's such a threat. Um, Travis, I think he's one of the guys who I, when we're playing his team, I never want him at the plate. It's always feels scary to yep. me. So um, I think that what he brings to, uh, you know, and also a threat on the bases as well. He is projected for 14 steals next year by Steamer. So, you know, a, a double, a double digit steals, 30 plus homers, that would be a top 10 outfitter for me. So, um, yeah. Who did you have that I'm missing? Oh, it's Harris and Harrison Buxton. Um, who, who they'll be on my list is coming up. Yeah. Don't, and, don't, don't, don't panic yet. And I'll point out to Springer too. It just felt like year after year after year, it was always Trout one, Springer two. Like Springer, For center field, Springer yeah. was always just kind of the guy that was, you know, not really, not close at all to what Trout was bringing, but he was always the second best center fielder in the game. Um, I think Julio will will take that uh, moving forward and maybe some other guys, but um, it, it's Springer just consistent. So I, I do appreciate that. But uh, that covers the top 10. Um, very straight, strong list, Alex. I, 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 I think a lot of us can or me and you can at least agree with some of these guys. Um, it, you, you do have your cream of the crop moving up to the front where you have the bets, the Sotos, the judges, the Trouts, the both the juniors, the Tatis and the Acuna Jr. So um, very similar on that aspect, but some guys possibly in the um, kind of in the 11, 12, 13 range that we get to right now that are going to be where my... Uh, I expect there to be some more differences. Is that, yes, is that what you're kind yes, of saying? Yes, there are going to be some differences, yes, especially when a list of 20 when we talk about outfielders. But um, I'll start off with the 11 through 15, Alex, for my outfielders. Number 11, I have Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Number 12, I have Kyle Schwarber of the Phillies. 13, I go George Springer. 14, I go Brandon Nimmo. And number 15, I actually go Cedric Mullins of the Orioles. So interesting to see who you have to match that. Yeah, it's going to be start getting fun, Travis. <laughs> Their differences are, are beginning. Let's just put it that way. But uh, at, the, at the top of my 11 and 12, we stay pretty much in the line. I have 11 as Byron Buxton, mm -hmm. 12 as Michael Harris Jr. or the second. So that is in line with – they were your 9 and 10, 9 correct? and 10, yep. Um, so 13, a first big difference. I have Luis Robert, Luis Robert, okay. as yep. some like yep. to say. He, uh, of course, White Sox center fielder, very raw, a lot of potential, hasn't fully realized it yet. So Him and him and Buxton are, are, are on the same curse, but we'll talk about that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. My number 14, I get to Brian Reynolds, okay. um, who you did mention as well. And 15, I surprised myself, Travis. Someone who I, if I had to guess, I think you don't have this guy in your top. I go with Masataka Yoshida. This is the 
uh, free agent player from wow. Japan acquired by the Red Sox. Obviously, Travis, I'll be honest. I'll just start, I'll just start with him, right? I'll just start with it's him. A, it's a bold one, yeah. I'll just start with him um, just to get it kind of almost out of the way, explain myself. <laughs> um, the Fangraphs projections really like him. And it's obviously, Travis, I'll be honest, I'm not watching all these Japanese games to like yep. get film on him. I haven't done that kind of level of homework. But a lot of my research into the projection systems and what the projections think of uh, Yoshida, they really think he's going to have a really good combo of both good pop as well as just plate skills that rival almost like i don't even i don't even understand so they pretty much think a t- about a 12 percent walk rate according to steamer and less than a 10 percent strikeout so he's gonna mm-hmm. walk more than he's gonna strike out but also about 18 homers in 120 games is what they're projecting um with you know playing corner outfield probably not going to be elite defense but they project him at 140 wrc plus which would be that would be in the top 10 for outfielders, I'm pretty sure. Um, obviously, this is just projections. This is not based on, um, you know, there could be some tough adjustments to big league pitching. You know, maybe MLB level pitching um, is going to be a problem for him. I know that Japanese players in the past have had trouble adjusting to fastballs and things like that. Um, but I think that more, I think smarter than any, uh, you know, scout or any one scout or any one analyst or any one podcaster or whoever it might be, I think uh, smarter than that is probably these projection systems on Fangraphs. Uh, the Zips progression, the Zips projection on Fangraphs also has Yoshida as a top twenty outfielder by F WAR next year. They have him at one hundred thirty seven WRC plus, so still a well above average hitter. Um, the walks and strikeouts almost the same. So he's Travis. The thing to look out for Yoshida is he's going to have great plate skills. He's going to have really good discipline um, and be pretty good at avoiding strikeouts. So having a good eye to not swing at junk, but also to make sure you're making contact with the strikes. That's just something that um, I think separates the elite hitters from the pretty good hitters. Guys like Juan Soto, um, the walks and the strikeouts are both um, elite, I would say. And it seems like Yoshida is someone who is focused on both getting walks and avoiding strikeouts. That's just something I love to see. And there is pop there as well. So that's why I put him in my top 15. Any response to that? Or do you want to make a case for one of your guys? Yeah, I I, I will say this. I'm I'm waiting and looking forward to seeing what he can bring this year. Um and what you said so far. I mean I, I there are there are some good Japanese talents that come over and like you mentioned the the, the plate skills and the plate discipline. Um it's like None other we've seen in, in the majors. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I guess one question I'll ask so far, um, and I guess I, I, I don't want, actually, I won't ask it yet because you probably might have them in your, in your next five guys. But um, one, one case, I mean, you, you made the case for Springer Nimmo. I like what they've done. I just think there's guys out there that have been particularly better at all, you know, just all around of, of, of playing, you know, outfield with the defense and the, uh, the pop on the bat, but Kyle Schwarber is one guy. I it's kind of funny because I have him at number twelve. I don't think that he kind of he doesn't he he does belong, but he almost doesn't belong because all these other guys I feel like are much better athletes than Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber is just that bad. He's a defensive. hitter. He's a hitter. But to me, I just think that his his skill set at the plate, Alex, even going back last year to the playoffs. And even in the season, I think what he led the NL in home runs last year. But just Kyle Schwarber. 
how he protects the plate and just the plate vision. I, I just feel like it's it's a skill that most guys in the bigs don't have these days. And so I, I just feel like his approach of the plate and everything he brings is a top level hitting outfielder. So that's why I had him so kind of early in my top 15 or at least in my 11 through 15 at number 12. Um, Brian Reynolds, who I think was number 14 for you, is my number 11 uh, switch hitting dynamic center fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I, I just, for me, I really wonder if Pittsburgh's holding him back. I feel like if he was on a team like the Mets or a team like the Dodgers or even the Yankees, uh, we could see a, a level of Brian Reynolds that no one has ever seen before. So I, I still have him at number 11 just because I, I think he would be a game changer for so many different organizations. But um, number 15, I think also summing up Cedric Mullins. I think Cedric Mullins, Alex, the last two seasons, he's posted a nine more, a nine war. Um, he, he's really clicked. I, I think... 2020 and um pre in previous season i think he was a switch hitter in those seasons alex and then right he finally just said you know what i'm just going to stick with the uh left-handed hitting and so far it's worked so uh, i like what he brings out there center field defense being pretty good and also with the hitting especially in 2021 being excellent but this year of course i think it was like a 3.8 war cedric mullins posted but um I guess we'll just keep talking about the the next five guys and I, then we can make our case for who you left off, who I left off, and we can kind of discuss that. But go ahead with number 16. Okay, 16 and going down, Travis. Um, I get into some fun names, some names I felt like I had to include. It was yep. kind of tough to kind of decide where to put them. 16, I go with my guy, Travis. My guy, Ooh, Taylor Ward. Your guy, okay. My guy, Taylor Ward, is cracking this list. Um, I wasn't sure if he'd make it or not, but I got him at 16. 17, another surprise, Travis. Corbin Carroll. Nice. All right. You know what? I a, a, a potential guy rookie of the year watch for the National League. I had his name circled, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about him more when it comes to like the rookie of the year, our predictions, stuff like that. But he is probably, if I had to guess, the betting favorite for NL rookie of the year um going into the season. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. Diamondbacks outfielder. I think the fastest player this league has ever seen, quite possibly. Mm -hmm. Some of the clips of him running are just unreal. Um and yeah, he has he has the potential, Travis. If he unlocks the power of his bat, which it's it's been there in the minors, he could be uh like a five tool, you know, defensive stud, uh offensive stud. So he's 17 on my list. Obviously this is all based on what I think is going to happen next season. Like yep. He has no MLB track record that's impressive yet. But Corbin Carroll is at 17. 18, Christian Yelich, a guy who I was kind of surprised to include. Travis making some wide, oh, eye, some wide whoa, eyes right now. Whoa, whoa okay. Um, I'm pretty high on Yelich uh, personally. Uh, 19, another fun guy, Travis. Lars Newtbar. He makes my top 20. Okay. Travis doesn't know really what to think of all this. And in 20, I round out the list with Seiya Suzuki. He's the top 20. So, Travis, I think there's just lots of differences and a lot of confusion on your face. But let but, me let me hear your 16 through 20. All right. Um, wow. All right. Number 16, I have Luis Roberts. 17, Teoscar Hernandez. 18, Stephen Kwan, 19, Taylor Ward, number 20, Mr. Lars Newtbar. Wow, I like it. So Lars Ward giving the love, um, had Luis Robert a little late. Um, Alex, one question I have to ask. I don't know if I heard it, but please tell me 
do you have Buxton on your top 20? I do. He's okay, okay, 11. He's okay, 11. Okay, okay, yeah. good. Because for some reason, I, I thought I did not hear it, but I was going to talk. Eh, he's an injury risk. No, he is. And, and good conversation to start off with, Alex. But Buxton and Luis Robert, I, I think I looked back. I think Buxton, Alex, has not played a season where he's played 100 games since like 2017. And then I think Luis Robert, I don't know if you have the games played pulled up right now, but I think I was checking too. I don't even know if Luis Robert has played 100 games in his career so far. Let me check. I have it right here. It's um, loading. It, it's, 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 it's unfortunate. I, You're right. I, he I had think 90, these, 98 games in 2022. Th- these two center fielders are studs, guys that I think are still waiting to have that monstrous, monstrous season. We know Byron Buxton, he could be, I mean, Alex, he's a guy that has potential to be double-digit war like yes. season in and season out like he I he th- is that scary i think when there's someone travis and this was like this was an interesting thing that happened before um quick quick short, short story before the otani mvp season um a youtube account called foolish baseball that is very popular i mm-hmm. like him a lot um he did not include otani in his top 50 um for the season, the season before Otani broke out yeah, and got yeah. the MVP Which and all he that was, stuff. I think the hitting was, was, was awful and, it, and the pitching was, well, he was injured. Yeah. In that 2020, yeah. the hitting was bad and the pitching, he got hurt. So, yeah. Um, it made sense kind of. But he said looking back, he made a mistake because he knows that Otani has the potential to be the best player in baseball. And if someone has the potential to be the best player in baseball, then they have to be considered a top 50 player. Yeah. And for me, it's kind of similar with Byron Buxton. He has to be a top 20 outfielder, I think, just because he has the potential to be the best player in the league next year. Yeah. Like, if yeah. he, if everything goes... And, and I'm not, so, I'm not, I'm not, right. I'm not talking <laughs> about, like, it's, like, some small chance. Like, it's, like, you know, in his... Whatever his... You know, one of his better outcomes is that he is a great bag stealer, an elite glove in center field. Um, if he can play 140, 150 games, have like 150 OPS plus, which is not that crazy to ask, maybe 35, 40 home runs, 40, 40 seasons, something like that. You know, he, I mean, I don't think he's going to steal 40 bags because he kind of stopped stealing a bit. Yeah. But um, I'm just saying, I think that there's like, there's like this, it's a not insane reality for him to have the best season in baseball next Agree. year. And so if that's the case, you have to be on these kind of lists. You can't snub someone who has that high of a peak. For me, it's also like Tatis being my third pick. He's so high because there's a chance he's the best outfitter in baseball next year. I think that's definitely a possible. That's probably true for a lot of guys in our list. It could be Acuna. It could be J-Rod. Um, a lot of these guys could have a, a crazy year. But I personally think that uh, Buxton's ceiling is so high. Same for Robert. The tools are so crazy that um, I have to give respect and make sure they're included. So I did have I did have Buxton and Robert at uh, 11 and 13. They're very comparable in our minds because they have these crazy tools. They have this injury concern. But if they do play a full season and keep it all together, they're going to be these massive just you know superstars. Someone who's also interesting I had right between the two is uh, Harris the second Travis you mm-hmm. had him what like ninth ten I had a number nine yep yep so I have him or at, sorry number eight yep I have him at 12 so it's not that big of a difference but I do feel like I'm a little bit lower on Harris than most people Travis yep. um Harris is someone who 
brings a lot to the table. And the biggest thing in my mind is the glove. I think he is going to end up being the NL, you gold know, glove gold owner. glove center yeah. fielder, kind of a little mini short dynasty run for him. The sprint speed is absolutely crazy. He's actually got a really good arm. The outfield jump, according to uh, StatCast, is really good. The outs above average are very good. So he's running good routes out there. He's fast. He gets a good jump. And even the, the the batted ball quality, he he hits the ball pretty well too. There's a good amount of pop. Um, the only real problem, Travis, is he just chases a lot of really bad pitches. And I think, you know, the prime example is Javi Baez. I'm not saying he's going to be as bad of a chase guy as Javi Baez, but when someone is really bad at uh, controlling their zone, I think, and when they just are when they're just prone to swinging at lots of balls, it just makes me concerned that, especially a guy that's young like Harris, if pitchers start kind of taking a step ahead of him and like, oh, you know, one strike count, two strike count, we're just gonna throw balls until he'll eventually swing at one of them. I think it's just a really bad spot to be as a young player. Obviously, in many ways, he's already figuring out MLB pitching because he had such a good offensive year last year. But I think there's a little bit of concern with the eye or the, the plate discipline that makes me say, you're not going to be on my top 10 quite yet. If he figured out the the eye and became a 10% walk guy next season, boom, he's top 10 for sure because the, the glove is too good. He also has some pop and some contact. But I just need to make sure, I need to make sure he doesn't have like some sort of offensive meltdown coming by guys just throwing balls and he's just swinging at everything i need to make sure that doesn't happen before i can put him in that top 10 for me but does that kind of make sense where i'm coming from no no it definitely does and and, and i can respect even a guy like harris being so young that there, there's still more to be proven out there for him to uh yes. to showcase that what he can do i i still believe he's in that conversation kind of like you mentioned with julio where the speed and the defense will always be there so his war will always be it's a high floor it, yes it, it will always be like a, a consistent five war every single season just because the defense and the speed will carry him um throughout it all goes but uh alex just some some just some questions um i like just, questions just you gotta explain to me what what's what's Christian Yelich doing on it? Um, okay, I, I for me, I I you know Christian Yelich 2018 2019 possibly the best you know the best outfielder in the game up there with Trout. I mean Trout was he, he was the biggest competition to Trout. 2020 completely falls off. That's fine though. I, 2020 was just a difficult year for many reasons for a lot of players. Shortened spring training. Um, you know unmotivated from COVID and all that stuff. So I totally get that. Uh, a, a worse year, according to OPS plus in 2021, only a 101 OPS plus. So you're basically a, a, an average ball player when it comes to hitting last year, picked it up slightly when it came to the OPS plus level. A 101 has never had an OPS plus above 111 since 2019. What do you give Yelich for being still, um, still a top 20 guy right now in the game so he is one of the most it's a very unique case and i'll just put it this way i'm a believer in the skills so these are the skills i'm talking about i think back in his mvp years travis we could say he might have been a five tool player yep. the glove might not have been great but he had good enough speed um he had a good enough glove and just was uh, no weaknesses, great athleticism. I don't think he's quite that guy anymore. He's very, he's definitely changed in my mind. The expectations have shifted. The, the slugging, team, the slugging has shifted. The slugging is way <laughs> down, and I, and I'll talk to that. I'll, talk, I'll, I'll speak more to that in a second. Um, the outs above average are very poor last year. His outfielder jump is very poor. The arm strength is not very good. So, um, the defense is not going to be 
I, I'm not expecting very much at all. Um, he might even be a DH type in a couple years here, um, depending on how the, the speed changes. He still has above average speed, which is good. Um, that's still a thing he's got going for him. He does still try to steal. He steals bags um, when he can yep. still. So um, actually steamers predicting him for 18 steals next year. That would be a great mark for him to hit, I think. Um, I'd be impressed with that figure. But looking back at some more stat cast data, Travis, he is still so here's the here's the the skills that he brings that i'm still a big fan of he hits the ball incredibly hard he's 98th percentile in max exit velocity meaning his hardest hit ball was top two percent in baseball um his hard hit rate so the percentage of his balls that are hit over 95 95 miles an hour he's top 10 percent in baseball so he's still hitting the ball very very hard the issue travis and i don't want to make it sound like i have all the answers right to me, looking at these numbers, Travis, it feels kind of simple. He just hits way too many ground balls. If he got all these hard hit balls in the air, he would be a 30 home run hitter again. I really think the slugging going down is completely due to the fact he keeps hitting the ball on the ground. So I'm not sure if he's going to be able to change that or not. But um, the other good thing he has going for him is he has great plate discipline. His walk percentage is the top 6% in baseball. He still walks a ton. He still has solid speed and he hits the ball hard. Those are all skills I really believe in. The contact is not even that bad either, Travis. The issue is those grounders. And I have good news for him, Travis. The shift is banned. And he <laughs> he he pulls a lot of really hard ground balls. I think there's definitely a chance that it has no effect and he still is the same hitter he was last year. But I think that there's a chance that even if he doesn't make that switch and hit more balls in the air, I think that there's still this chance that his pulled ground balls go for more base hits and the average rises as a result. That the contact looks even better because he has all these uh, balls ripping right past the first baseman. There's no second baseman in short right field mm -hmm. to, to get the job done. So um, he's just someone, Travis, who I have too much confidence in the skills. Um, and you might ask me, Travis, for example, I have Yelich. You don't. You have Schwarber. I didn't say. I didn't say Kyle true, Schwarber. True. Yeah. I just think that even though I would take Schwarber's bat, um, you know, in a playoff series, who who do you got? I would. I would probably go Schwarber. Yeah. But I think. I think over the course of you know these guys figuring things out, I like Yelich's tools better. Schwarber does crush the ball as well. But um, I think that there's a bit more concern. I think Schwarber has a bit more swing and miss in him. Like. Um, you know, Schwarber's good at taking balls. He won't swing at balls, but he'll swing and miss at a lot of balls in the zone that, um, you know, he just has a tough time making contact sometimes. That's what leads to his low batting average. So um, overall, I think that Yelich just is someone who I like what they bring to the table a bit more. It has nothing to do with really what he did last year, um, the numbers-wise, but Travis, even, even some of like his... Uh, really crushed home runs. I mean, I think everyone saw that Coors home run, the Coors Field one. It yeah. was like uh, 499 feet to right center or whatever it was. Like when he gets a hold of it, and it happens a lot where he's able to crush the ball. So it just doesn't matter of him figuring out how to put those hard hit balls, um, you know, where they ain't, I guess, and keeping it hopefully not just these hard grounders right to the second baseman. Let, 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 if we can spray, spray it around a bit, I think he can unlock not an MVP again, but back to an all-star form. So um, we'll see if he ends up being able to piece the, all this together. I obviously am higher on him than probably many people, but um, I am a fan still. Uh, any any thoughts on that? Yeah, I... I tell, tell me I'm wrong. 
It's a, you know, the only thing I will say, the good point is the, the, the banning of the shift. Um, that's going to be, again, a, a huge thing to watch for a lot of players. I know we circled guys like uh, Corey Seager. We also circled uh, guys like Joey Gallo, who love to pull the ball and may hit the ball on the ground and hit the ball very hard. The shift can be something that, uh, you know, just destroys some of their, uh, some of their, you know, some of their contact and, and, and hitting stats, but this year that might change, but, um, going to some other plays, Alex, uh, take me through. So for me, what, what, for top 20 reasons, you know, I, I know we have Ward and we have uh large new bar, which I'm, I'm happy to say that we have both those guys. Um, also both, both, you know, back five of this top 20, which rightfully so I, th- I think they, they can definitely make the push up, but so far they're they're in that section, but so far take, take me through, uh, guys like for me, Teoscar Hernandez, who um, three seasons in a row, OPS plus above a um, a one twenty five. You know he's at a one twenty seven this year, a one thirty one last year, and then a one ten or a one forty six during the COVID season, of course. But a guy like Teoscar Hernandez, and then also a guy like Stephen Kwan, who uh, rookie season posted a five point five. He is like some of these other guys we keep talking about: great defense and also great speed with being good contact, a decent on base as well, just because he has really good contact and a good batting average. The slugging percentage, though, is the one thing that hurts him. But um, guys like Teoscar and Quan, what, what was it something that you thought about when you were when you were making this in top 20, at least in the back half? Yeah, I definitely had these guys considered. Um, they're guys I looked at for sure. I'll start with Quan. Uh, Quan is someone, Travis, who, uh, like the guys I mentioned, he has lots of tools that are, um, worth praising. He it, won the gold glove, rightfully so, in left field. He had a great defensive season in left field. Uh, he's obviously a contact first hitter, um, but to his credit, also manages to get a lot of walks. So it's a combination of being able to make contact and also uh, being able to uh, spit on bad pitches. And it kind of keeps the average high and the on base high, which is great. He's in a great spot in that department, but the power is very lacking. The speed is good. Um, I just think that as an outfitter, there's a, cer- there's a certain threshold of power that I kind of want to see. Um, not everyone needs to have power in the big leagues, even though that is kind of the way things are trending. Yep. Um, but I just feel like, like for example, Yelich, comparing Yelich to Quan for me, the skills that I really like to see, Yelich I think has the better eye. Um, Quan might be faster, but Yelich still uh, gets his steals. Quan's gonna be the better defender, but I think the hard hit potential of Yelich gives him like this, um, not MVP, but like he could get like top twenty MVP votes if he has another kind of bounce back year. Whereas Quan could get that as well, but I just feel like Quan's success is there's a lower ceiling. Does that make sense? The ceiling yeah. Yeah, meaning yeah, of course. Yeah. how high can he actually get? I don't really see a season where Quan is like. Uh, a top five outfielder like I I, I can't really see that happening no, because there's course, like yeah. there's like this lower level that he can or there's a higher level he can't reach I don't want to you know act like I'm a hater because I do like what he brings to the table but I think without the power like if he had a great his best season is going to be like a 320 average a 410 on base with great defense and that's yeah. going to be awesome but it's going to be five home runs and and, Whereas, and maybe like an eight 30 OPS, you know, right, yeah. right. And if Yelich does what he can do best, I think he can still get over a 900 OPS. It's not, I'm not saying it's likely, but I think that's still in his realm of possibilities. And that would be 
a higher ceiling for me that I, I I'm a fan of. And I think that the power component still keeping the on base and not even that bad at contact. Um, Yelich is, I think just a few tweaks away from getting back to form. Whereas Quan is like kind of limited by, um, his capabilities. I think his lack of power is keeping him off my list. I think there's definitely a, a reality where he is like my 19th to 20th guy mm-hmm. this year, but he just, I just slightly favored guys like say Suzuki guys like Lars Newbar. I'm glad we both put Newbar, like you said, actually, before I get off track, I'll go to Tay Oscar real quick. Um, just because you asked me to talk about him. I think that um, he hits the ball really hard. There's a lot to like about what he does at the plate um, in terms of his contact. He had a really bad defensive year last year, and I don't think that that's an outlier. I think he's definitely just... Um, he's, he's 30 right now. I think in a few years, he could be a DH candidate. Um, also, I think could be a platoon candidate at some point, but he still hits the ball hard against both righties and lefties at the moment. I'm not a huge fan of his plate skills. The strikeouts are very, very high. The walk numbers are very, very low. Um, Travis, I think I sound like a broken record sometimes just talking about the strikeouts and walks. I think it's like two of the most important things is how good are you at spitting on balls and how good are you at making contact with with balls in the zone. Those are two key skills that I feel like keep a lot of players from reaching that next level. And the guys who I have on my list are guys who I think do a good job with that. Taylor Ward, for example, Travis, he did a great job of spitting on balls last year and a great job of actually making contact on balls in the zone and still hitting it hard. And that's like the kind of combination of skills that I really want to see in my top 20. That's why I have a guy like Ward, but not Teoscar because Teoscar hits the ball probably a little bit harder, but... And, and that is great. I mean, Tasker's got a great barrel percentage, and there's a lot to like about his speed. Um, Stack says he has a good arm too, but I think what Ward brings to the table um, with the better plate skills in terms of just seeing the zone, um, kind of being better at the battle with the pitcher, the mental battle perhaps. Um, not even a mental battle, but just also just having like that, um, the, 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 the zone awareness I think is is my favorite thing about a good hitter is if a good hitter has good zone awareness, that's such a key thing. And I don't think Teoscar's um, is very good. It's all about um, when he makes contact, he crushes it. But mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and, and that's a great spot to be. But just for my top 20, I'm going to go for a bit more of a well-rounded hitter. So that's why Teoscar doesn't make my cut personally. But um, and, and also to, to cap on Ward as well or to, to acknowledge what Ward said, I, I – I, I like what I see even every single every season out. You, you look at OPS plus from 2019 to 2020 to 21 to 22. It keeps on getting better and better and better. Yes. That's for Taylor Ward's reasons. Um, and honestly, it sucks because he actually got injured last year and was playing, I think, at like 50 percent. was still putting up good numbers. He had some I think he had a bad like August or July, but he, it just seemed he had like a, a really weird up and down yeah. year. But the ups were just so good that it kind of carried the downs. But his his uh chase rate was like top seven percent in baseball yep. so he just does not chase bad pitches still pretty fast walks a ton doesn't strike out a ton so ward um Charles, he's one of the, last year was one of the most well-rounded hitters in my opinion i think if he doesn't get hurt this next season and if he can repeat what he did in terms of his plate skills and how good his contact was with the hard hit stuff i really don't see how he could uh, not repeat the success. Yep. I think that it was not a fluke. You know, I think that he's going to be um, this kind of caliber guy going forwards. Yep, yep. And last guy we'll talk about, Alex. He he was 21. If we had to go to top 21, but Corbin Carroll, I'm glad you put him on there because uh, I think right now he is the leader for rookie of the year in the NL, if I'm not mistaken. If it's not him or Francisco Alvarez for um, 
the Mets. I know there's some other guys as well, but I, I, I saw a list in Corbin Carroll on one of the betting sites was number one in terms of NL rookie of the year. So he brings the speed component. He brings, of course, the good defense component. And I think that in that big ballpark in Arizona, he has a chance to hit 40 doubles or I think with his speed, even 10 triples, um, you know, if he can get the ball in the air, he definitely can leave the ballpark a few times. But um, that speed is going to be a huge, huge problem for defenses playing against him. They'll have to, of course, uh, strategize, maybe play the, the outfield deeper um, and, you know, m take away the gaps, if that makes sense. But um, I'm glad you put him on your list. I, I want to. Yeah, I, I, I I'm, I'm glad I did, too. Um, I. I one guy I left off that you haven't really interrogated me on, but I think it deserves an explanation is, um, <laughs> is Cedric Mullins. I did not include him. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I did have him at one point. I ended up taking him off in favor of some of these other names. Uh, one of the reasons for this is because I just think the ceilings and the potential for Corbin Carroll and Lars Newbar are simply higher. Um, Mullins has been great, um, especially in that 2021, but even last year was still a really good player, but I think his value is so much focused on his defense and speed, which is elite. Uh, but I think the, the power, which I feel like the power was pretty solid in 2021. Yeah. I think it is last year. I mean, maybe he could bounce back, but I think last year showed that that might've been a little, I want to, I want to say fluky, but just, it didn't stay right. I think the, the, the. His ability to make hard contact did not stick around in 2022. He became kind of a contact hitter in my mind, which um, there's definitely a place for that. But it, I think that um, a guy like Corbin Carroll is going to bring a similar, if not better, speed, probably similar defense to Mullins. And then the ceiling for the bat is going to be higher because I think he has more pop. Um, so I think that there's just uh, more opportunity to be the better player next year for Corbin Carroll over a guy like Cedric Mullins, mm -hmm. even though Mullins has proven he can do it. I just think that even though Carroll has not yet proven it, he's almost a for sure bet to be like a MLB caliber player, but the ceiling is like MVP, which I don't see, yep. you know, Mullins reaching that caliber I, going I, forward. So. I would like to see the numbers on the Baltimore Orioles as a whole with the wall in left field and the baseball. Sure. Um, I would like to see, cause I know, I think there was a stat last year where like bullpen or starting pitching ERA went down like insanely. Like it almost like went from like a four, ERA or, or like a, like a five ERA staff ERA to like a three point like seven staff ERA and it was just like what the hell like did the baseball and the wall both those things they just made sure that Judge could not hit it out of left field anymore whenever they played at Camden Yards because that just seemed to be um, that was a, the goal a, feeding, guess, yeah. a feeding ground for him but what, what one more one more note on uh, Lars Newbar or I want to touch on Lars Newbar real quick because I I Charles I'm really surprised that we both have him. You know, I what? think if you asked me before, like top twenty, yeah. he doesn't even come to mind until I look at yeah. the, the numbers. He, he um, tell me why you like him. I I know from the advanced stats, I think he has a very good high exit velo, and I I I was watching something on on Twitter or something, and someone just kind of said Lars Newbar is going to be like the breakout guy in 2023. Like look out for Lars Newbar. So um, I looked into believer? it and I, I was a believer and, you know, I was like, you know, let's just, let's make that kind of my bold, my bold pick today. The numbers there, you know, I think he's played what a season and a half or so, but it, it's, it's nothing crazy. Like, Oh my God, these numbers are so insane. But um, I think just diving into even more of a deeper advanced stats, he's a guy that I think could have a huge breakout year. A lot of those guys in St. Louis could. I mean, I was I was debating on some of these other guys to put on there as well. I mean, um, uh, Tyler O'Neill is a guy we don't have, and I was looking at his numbers. He had a bad, bad season in 22, but 2021, 
I think his second half was in, incredible. Yes. And uh, he was a guy I debated on putting on this list. And I, I don't think I had Dylan Carlson on there, but they have so many utility guys that you can put in the outfield. But and I, uh, I know with Lars, it just it seemed like it was it was a, it was a good pick to put them there. Yeah. And then you mentioning the other guys in the St. Louis system. I mean, Jordan Walker has been playing a lot of yes. outfield for yep. them in the minors yep. because Arenado is blocking him at third base right now. Yep. So. He's number two. That's right for Roy, rookie of the year. Yeah. Oh, Jordan Walker is? Yes, Jordan Walker, And, and yeah. so if, if he ends up playing a full season of, like, left field or something for or right field for uh, for the St. Louis, like, he's going to be also mashing the ball. So he could even have a case to be in our conversations here. Um, but, why, but, why why didn't they get pitching this offseason? I mean, why didn't – we look at the Blue Jays and Nimmo, and now I'm looking at the Cardinals and the pitching. I think that's why you said they had the biggest – L of the offseason because what could the, have been what could have been the potential. I mean, you have an infield with Nolan Gorman, Edmund, Arenado, you know. I think if they if, if they managed a way to Goldschmidt. sign if they signed Rodon and like traded for Glass now, I think I'd like I'd go to Vegas right now and Checkmate. bet and bet on them to win the World Series. But, yeah. Yeah. But um I think that uh last note on Newt Bar, um, I love like you were saying, the advanced numbers are very good. I love the walk. Uh, percentage he's got a great eye like pretty much any if i if i like him travis i probably think that they have a good walk percentage they don't uh chase the ball he also hits the ball very hard like you mentioned and a little note that i got from Eno saris on the rates and barrels podcast they mentioned that uh new bar has been going to driveline which travis driveline is yeah. the place where lots of mlb players go in the offseason to kind of develop skills they use like a really analytics heavy approach um on you know how to increase your spin rate um, for pitchers and how if batters can increase their exit velocities and launch angles and stuff like that. A lot of it's too complicated for me to fully understand, but um, Newt Bar and the last two off seasons has increased his bat speed. And that is a big indicator of better exit velocity. So he is uh, putting in work in the off season. I can pretty much, you know, confirm that he is someone who is taking a very smart approach to improving his game. And that's something that I'm just totally going to sign up for. When, if I'm picking my top 20 guys, if this guy is already showing flashes of great eye, great power ability and can play center field or play out at a decent level, then sign me up for him. If he's also in the off season, um, working with really smart people, um, figuring out small tweaks he can make to, make himself better suited for the seasons going forward so and he's also pretty young 25 so yep. clearly some room to grow um I, like you said i think a breakout candidate for sure so my eye's gonna be on newt bar uh i'm very surprised we both have him but i'm glad we do best name in major league baseball easily i will say um but large newt bar congratulations uh <laughs> that that wraps up the outfield alex um a lot of similarities a lot of differences i knew that going to going 20 deep on that we were going to have a lot and a lot of uh, of interesting, you know, selections for guys, especially in the 11 through 20 range. And we surely did. But um, moving now to the DH spot, Alex, I, I will say it's kind of like I think it's what, the, like I said, the third base or the first base spot. I feel like there's a top there's a big five or big six. And then there's kind of just a drop off. I don't know if you felt that way, but I'm looking forward to see exactly what. It's something like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because I, I was scrambling with this, and things, I just things was get wondering. interesting at the bottom. Yeah, I, I just was wondering what you were going to put. Um, we we had our discussions last night about you know 
who is who is categorized or who is who is going to be a uh, who would we think it would be a DH? You know, for example, Jordan Alvarez will play left field for the Astros, but also he'll be a DH. Michael Brantley will be a DH, but also play left field. But we wanted to stick with Jordan being the DH right now for this purpose. But I'll start it off, Alex, with the top five for the DH spot. Um, and this, of course, we're only doing 10, 10 players for this spot. But number one, I have Jordan Alvarez. Number two, I have Shohei Otani. Number three, Bryce Harper. Four, Giancarlo Stanton. And number five, I have J.D. Martinez. Bang, 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 bang. Wow. The exact same five for All right. Me. All right. Good. Nothing to uh, to really discuss. Moving on. No, just kidding. But- yeah. Nothing to discuss. I will say, Alex, um, Jordan is slowly becoming, I think, possibly one of the best hitters on the planet. I think we saw it last year in the playoffs. For we sure. saw it last year in the season. The power, the discipline, everything, it, it's just all magnificent. And, and it's it closely, but it it does edge out Shohei Otani, what he brings to the plate. Shohei, the power is almost pretty much on the same level as your Don, but I will say the on-base percentage, and I don't know if the, the average has never been something that has been a strength of Shohei, but your Don does, have, of course, have better numbers in those categories. But Shohei, with what he brings getting on base, with the base speed and just the base running aggressiveness and the awareness. I think that that of course that, will, you know, edge Jordan Alvarez in that category. Yeah. I think what you're mentioning, the speed there for Otani, that's what definitely keeps him above Harper for me. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Cause yep. Harper's uh, offense is, you know, getting better and better. It yeah. seems obviously 2021 was like this kind of great peak in that second half. But you know, last year when he played, the bat was really good. Uh, and I expect it to be good going forwards as well. Maybe that injury risk, it could have some small play into, you know, will he be the same after, you know, whatever kind of, um, you know, elbow surgery he needs um, that he got this offseason or whatever. But I do think that um, Otani, the the speed, like you mentioned, it's just uh, an extra tool that almost every DH does not have. And he brings it to the table in a really big way. Um, but besides that, we, we, we agree on everything. Yeah. So, um, we can just move on and talk about, talk about the position as a whole. Sure. That's good. I'll go six through 10, Travis. It's, it gets dicey here. <laughs> six, I go Eloy Jimenez. Seven, I go Daniel Vogelbach on the Mets. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> You're not so sure about that one? Eight, I go Carlos Santana. New Pittsburgh Pirate. He could be playing some first base, but I got him as a DH. Nine, I go to J.D. Davis, who could be playing some third, but I think he'll be playing a lot of DH as well. And then 10, I'm going Matt Carpenter, newly signed to the San Diego Padres. Travis, give me your 6 through 10. Well, so far, 6 and 10. Good. We, we all agree there. Uh, number the mid- 6. The middle gets different? Uh, very different, yeah. 6, uh, Eloy Jimenez, same thing. Um, 7, I go with... William Contreras. Eight, I go with Nelson Cruz. Number nine, I go with Justin Turner. And 10, I go Matt Carpenter. So um again, the 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 inside of that bottom five was just uh or, or the middle part was just the the scrambled up part. But could not be um, more different, I guess. See, you got Vogelbach, Santana, and um who was your last guy? J.D. Davis. J.D. Davis. Okay, guy that... Let's talk about him. I, I think he's a national now. Is he? Uh, that's I, 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 I know he was traded I, to the... Oh, you picked him. He was know. traded to the Giants. Is he still a Giant? I think he is. He was traded for Darren Ruff. 
Oh, the, the legendary Darren Ruff. The legendary okay. He man. still is a giant. Yes. Okay. So give me give me those give me those three first. Vogelbach, the the greatest baseball body on planet Earth, and then uh, Carlos Santana and JD Davis. Give me give me what you thought on those because I'm having a hard time wondering. Yeah. You're confused, are you? I'm a little confused. Yeah. Okay, so I'll start with Vogelbach. Um, I think that in terms of a DH of all these guys I'm listing, like he's like the for sure DH, right? Like mm-hmm. I think Santana could be playing some first. JD Davis could be playing some third, especially because Longoria is no longer with the Giants. Vogelbach's a true DH, so I gave him some props for that. Um, something I like about him, Travis. Guess what it is? Doesn't swing at a lot of balls. He's got a really good walk rate. He avoids chasing his sprint speed. Yeah, but when he gets on first, what's the sprint speed? His sprint speed is in the second percentile. Not very good. (laughs) Bottom 2% of the baseball. But um, he did score from from first that one play that went viral uh, last season. But anyways, I think just there's a lot to like about his batted ball quality. His actually his hard hit rate is not even that crazy, but he does launch the ball, right? He's got a good launch angle to him. Um, the contact isn't great, but I'm just kind of buying uh, on the power and I'm buying on the discipline at the plate. So I, I think there was a picture of him too. I think he slimmed down a little bit too. Did he? I think so. It was either that or he got bigger. I don't. I'm just I'm just looking at his <laughs> his Statcast bio says six feet tall, two seventy. I don't uh, think he's 270. I think I think he's north. I, I was going to agree. I'm like, <laughs> he's north. 270 seems a little bit too light, but it's yeah. generous, but yeah. Um, but Charles, I, I, I'm a believer in the skills he's bringing to the table. Um, I expect him to get also lots of plate appearances. I think Pete Alonso is a nice everyday first baseman. Vogelbach, a nice mm-hmm. everyday DH, at least against righty starting pitchers. Um, makes a lot of sense to me. Might help his numbers a bit, you know. So um, moving on to... Uh, the other guys, I'll go to Carlos Santana since he okay. is the next guy I listed. Um, when I saw Carlos Santana's StatCast profile last year in the middle of the season, I was completely shocked because I thought he was like this washed guy who doesn't make contact and doesn't have anything left in him in the tank, right? But um, he's actually 36, which is, you know, yeah. he's surprisingly old, but I actually still think he brings a ton to the table. Um like all my guys, Travis, he's got a really good eye at the plate. Um, the batting average was very low last year. I think it was a 202 average, but mm-hmm. I don't think that that, I think that was some bad luck. I don't think that's very representative of what he actually brings to the table. I think he will benefit from the shift being banned because he's a pull heavy guy. He pulls the ball a lot. Um, and he also is someone who uh, packs a lot of power, uh, barrels the ball a lot. Um, his defense actually says it wasn't that bad at first base, so maybe he gets some first base time as well. But he doesn't chase. He also doesn't swing and miss. He doesn't swing and miss a lot either. I think he actually just sneakily a really good hitter. I think the Pirates scored scored on him. They might be able to they might be able to flip him at the at the trade deadline and get something good for him because I think that he's going to be a viable hitter this season. I just you know book it, folks. You heard it here first. Carlos Santana is still a pretty good hitter, which um, could be a good trade piece. You know, yeah, like if, we mentioned. If if you know, I'm trying to think of which team might need a first baseman down the stretch, but you know who knows uh, might need to add some depth there. Um, you know, going into uh, going into the second half of the season. So Santana, I'm high on. Uh, and then I guess lastly, I'll go to uh, J.D. Davis. Uh, like you, like we said, he's with the Giants. The ballpark probably not doing him that many favors. But I just personally think that um, he's got a profile that I like as well. Um, for him, it's not as much about the walk percentage like it is with these other guys. Um, it's mo- and, and 
I will say he's ninth for me because there are concerns about his level of contact. He had a 248 average last year, Travis, but he actually struck out so much. He struck out a ton. And it is a bit concerning how much he swings and misses. But when he hits the ball, Travis, he still absolutely blasts it. He was in the top 1% of baseball for hard hit percentage. Top 1%. Mm. So he still hits the ball incredibly hard on a regular basis. It just his issue is he swings through the ball a lot. He'll swing at, you know, strikes and he has that component to him, but he misses strikes a lot. Um, so I'm interested to see if he can kind of clean up that hit tool a little bit because the hit tool is lacking, but the power is not lacking at all. Decent eye on him. So I think that for him, it just comes down to um, he can honestly fall flat on his face. If he just cannot make contact and keep striking out, you know, 30, 40% of the time, he could have a really bad year. But if he just makes contact enough, if he can get to like a 250 average, then the power will carry him to, you know, I think like an 800 plus OPS. So mm-hmm. we'll see where he ends up next year. But um, I do think that he has a lot to like about his batted ball profile. But Travis, please talk to me about your uh, seven, eight, nine guys that I did not have on my list. Yeah. So first I'll kind of cover with, with Justin Turner. Um, the numbers are, you know, I they are going down. I I just think that he still offers somewhat of a valuable bat, even at the age he's at. And I think with him being a full time, just focusing on the DH, maybe playing here and there at some. Maybe, I, I was thinking maybe some first base, yeah. and also um, if Devers needs some rest, he'll play some third base for the Red Sox. But I think him at Fenway Park with that green monster, I think he could at least have some fun with that. Uh, where where the the offense could still be um, productive uh, and, and he could still be valuable for a, a major league standard. So I have Justin Turner still in my top ten. Nowhere, you know, of course, near in the top five, but um, I think I had a number nine on my list. Just double checking. Yes. So Justin Turner there. Uh, Matt Carpenter. We both had number ten. I have Matt Carpenter ten as well. I also have Nelson Cruz at number eight. Um, and, and Nelson Cruz is a guy that I think since 2021 has really been falling down. One thing I do like about Carpenter and Cruz, they're both playing for the San Diego Padres next year. And I think Bob Melvin will be very smart when he uses them. Matt Carpenter last season against right-handed pitchers, against left-handed pitchers, he was amazing as well. But 44 games last year against right-handed pitchers, um, he had a he, he he had a 295 average, a 409 on base, and a 684 OPS. He also had better numbers against lefties, surprisingly, which is really funny. So he does crush lefties as well. But Nelson Cruz, looking at last year. The both righties and lefties weren't that impressive. Uh, he did have a better OPS um, against left-handed pitching. Of course, that's no surprise. Um, but the strikeouts drastically, drastically drop against left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching. So right-handed pitchers last year, Nelson Cruz struck out 89 times in 115 games. Um, and then against left-handed pitching in about 80 games, he struck out 30 times. So the strikeouts do decrease when he faces left-handed pitching. I thought that both those guys will, I, they're going to have interesting seasons. I still think they're going to be productive. And when they're just facing either a righty or a lefty, that'll definitely really help them. If it was just Nelson Cruz on the Oakland A's facing, you know, righties and lefties, I would just kind of think I, I, I would be too high on him. Well, and, you're pretty much describing his last year with the Nationals. True, yeah. true, true. You're just right. You're an, right. An everyday DH uh, on a bad again, team. You're so right. And that that was a move that I think me and you were both scratching our head, wondering what what's going on. Why is Nelson Cruz trying to just go to a team that needs to rebuild? And why are the Nationals looking to get a guy like that that 
I don't know, maybe it could be used as a trade piece later on. But I th- I'm also a big believer in a guy like Cruz and Carpenter being around so much talent and so much skills, uh, so many skills with these players that they're going to be playing with. They're going to have a lot of opportunities to, of course, um, grow with some of these younger guys, get advice from them, and also uh, opportunities to knock these guys in and get, you know, runs on the board. So I do like the fact that they could also elevate their game by playing with such special, special players um, in MLB right now. William Contreras, he's the one guy, of course, I'll talk about. And he's actually one guy I talked to you yesterday about because I was wondering, I, I just was, I was going through so many DHs, Alex, and I just was, it, it was so hard to figure out who's going to be a DH, who's not going to be a DH. And are, are these guys kind of even worth it? Because I, like I said, I look at our top five or our top six. After that, it kind of just drops off and you're wondering, okay, like I, I, I don't really know what I'm going to get from this guy, but so far he's showing me this. Um, I, I, I will say William Contreras had a had a breakout season last year. I I think he, I think he was the starting catcher for the NL All Stars. Was was he not? I feel like was, he was an All Star. Was he the starting DH? You're right. I think he was a starting DH. Because I, I, Harper was hurt, or was that Garrett Cooper? Maybe he was a starting catcher. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> <laughs> was, was, was Wilson Contreras hurt or he played? Because he would have been the starting NL catcher. Yeah, yeah. I Folks, our memory, not the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, but William Contreras, 97 games last year. 97, didn't even play 100 games. Had 20 home runs, um, you know, posted a 278, 354, 506 slug for an 860 OPS. He had you know, just a, an insane OPS plus last year at a 138, which nobody really saw coming. So now, only 25 years old. Yeah. Young. Only 25 years old. And, and, and again, a guy that not many people knew before the season last year. So I think he can be a decent DH for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, they already have um, Victor Carantini doing most of the catching duties. So I don't think Contreras will be a, a, too much of a catcher in their system, but I could be surprised with all that. But it was an interesting, interesting trade because he's a free agent in 2028. So the Brewers got him for you know a while now. But um, I, just looking at his offense and being so young, I think he can still be a valuable, valuable DH for the Brewers next season. So um, he is my number seven pick, Alex. That's that's kind of my thought process with all that. I I, I I think that the the Nelson Cruz, the Matt Carpenter will just be played on the matchups. I don't think that they're right. they're gonna they're they're just gonna be used. Um, that's going to be the best situations for yeah. him. Yeah. And, yeah. And, in, and in the order, I, I don't know. I don't even know where Nelson Cruz would bat in the seven hole. You know, I, I, with, all, or eighth. with all that, um, with all the, with all those skills, he's you know. Bet, he's betting Cronenworth. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. But uh, I, I like what you said about William Contreras, Travis. He is someone who I did not have in my top 10, but there's definitely a case to be made that he belongs uh, amongst those people that I mentioned I'm not sure, like you said, how much catching he'll do, how much DHing he'll do. Uh, the Brewers can get creative depending on how good Caratini does, depending on how good their DHs do. They might try some DH Yellers. They might try some DH Winker. You know, we'll see how they kind of yep. decided to go with their DH spot. But um, and they, they still have Rowdy. Rowdy will be playing. Yeah, I assume okay. he'll be the yeah. main first baseman. Yeah. Um, they just have a. You know what? And they also, I think they just signed Luke Voigt to a minor league deal. Right. So there's another You're DH right. candidate slash first first base platoon candidate, but I I It'll saw be all over the map. <laughs> I, I I saw some Brewers fans saying that Luke Voigt actually is better versus righty, so it's like a bad platoon with first. So I mean, <laughs> I feel like these Twitter kids just know like too much about baseball sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. but anyways, um, William Contreras, Travis, back on topic. He hits the ball hard. I like. I see what you see. There's a lot to like. Um, he does walk a good amount. 
Uh, the one thing I think I am a little bit concerned with is there's a lot of swing and miss, um, but that's okay. I think that uh, he still brings enough to the plate as a 25-year-old. He can get, continue getting better, continue making adjustments. Um, the defense, the framing does not look very good, but like you said, this is a DH list, so we're not too worried about that at all. Um, I think that he brings a, uh, some good skills to the table. I think that also the upgrade to Miller Park could help him too. I think that going from the NL East, I think about how many aces you're probably facing in the NL East um, when he was a uh, when he was a Brave, and now you're gonna be a Brewer and you're gonna be in the NL Central. Probably some less star power pitching that you're gonna face, and also I would think um, Miller Park being a really hitter friendly ballpark. I think there's a lot to a lot going for him. I'll just put it that way. Yep. Um, maybe, maybe honestly, Travis could be a really good uh, fantasy pickup if he has that catcher eligibility. It's always hard to find a catcher who hits True. the ball well. Put him as your as your catcher, you know, in a good hitter friendly park, maybe a weak division. You know, he could have a really good year. So good. I, 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 I like yeah. your pick overall on that. Yeah, um, and that's true. Well, I didn't think about that fantasy. I know they have they they typically have the utility or the catching role, but. Um, he, he's a guy that could be a very valuable catcher, at least a backup if, if you know, you don't want to favor your catchers too much. So it, it just depends on your your strategy with all that with fantasy. But, yeah, good point on that point right there. Um, and, Travis, that pretty much wraps up our rankings, yeah? That does it. That's, we, uh, we did it. The, the ranking seasons is over. But we will be coming back next week with our top 25 players in so, MLB. Basically, yeah, and if that's you, where the debates really happen. I think it is, it is, and and it was funny because tonight, uh, Thursday, February twenty third, MLB Network just released their top ten. So we won't share that with you. Make sure you guys go look that right now. Look at that up, and uh, and, and and spark that debate for some you know reason. But Alex, the last thing I want to do to finish the episode, we're getting into sports betting season, uh, especially baseball betting season which me and you of course are so fond of and love to speculate love to kind of draw up what we would do how much money we put here or there but starting this episode I think for the next couple weeks or at least before the season starts we'll kind of end most of our episodes or we'll have some portion of the episode talking about what we think are some you know pretty pretty good bets here or there but we'll start off with just kind of the over and under bets i'm seeing a lot of stuff on instagram and social media and twitter where they will just name a team and the win total and then of course they'll go around to the office and say over or under that win total so i kind of wanted to start off with that with you today um, and cover the american league and national league east just covering 10 teams um i'll kind of throw out the names of the teams and the win totals that caesars vegas is uh is 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 looking at or projecting so um and i know you also have some of the um fan graphs and i think it's uh what's the other site that you have that has kind of the projected There's win a, totals it's called uh, it's a projection system called pakoda yeah it's i'm gonna have the fan graphs and the pakoda up it'll just kind of tell us um what some really advanced num uh, analytics think these teams are going to end up and I've okay. got, I'm really I've not compared these yet I'm interested to see how much do those numbers line up with what Vegas thinks you know I yeah. think there's a lot of uh, fun conversations because I will say I, I was looking at even some teams that I'm not going to we're not going to talk about today but they were way way under what some of these advanced stats sites were talking about you know um, one example is uh, looking at our team the Angels Caesars has them at 81 and a half wins so 
I think yeah, you got to think that's that's right there at 500. Yeah. And you look at some of these uh, fan graphs or Pakoda. I think I saw one where Angels were at like 86 wins or yeah. 87 wins. So and it's so hard to be like that yeah. accurate, you yeah. know, but it, it's fun to kind of say wh- who thinks uh, what about these teams. Yeah. yeah. And if, if they're so far off, if you're if, you're, if it's a if it's a nine or a nine uh, to, or eight game spread, you're almost looking at like, OK, so what's going on? Like either Vegas or these fan graphs are kind of just really favoriting some of these players or just thinking too highly on them. And then, of course, the injury factor kicks in. That you can't predict. It's just always going to be um, a burden to so many teams. And I think as Angel fans, we know it's it's a it's a it's a tragic burden on, on our um, livelihood for the last couple of seasons. But Alex, um, starting with the American League East, I'll start with the Yankees over under on them. Ninety four and a half. Just give me, give me your basic, what are your thoughts? 94 and a half on the Yankees. The Yankees are one of the toughest teams for me, Travis. <laughs> We're starting off on a tough one. You said 94 and a half? 94 and a half, yep. So I'll just tell you this. Pakoda has the over. Mm-hmm. Fangraphs has the under. Wow. I'm not sure which is more. I think Fangraphs um, was the one that had the most conservative um projections i i think they had no one in the american league with like 95 wins right right and it was kind of like i i was think i was thinking i was telling you i was like i think it's a safe bet that someone's going to be close to 100 wins this year in the american right league, you know right like and every season pakoda might be more adventurous pakoda has a i believe it's a 98 win projection for the yankees um I think the Yankees pitching is very good. Mm-hmm. Their bats, they kept Judge, which is good. But I think if Judge just does like normal all-star Judge yeah. instead of MVP Judge, the lineup gets a lot worse, I think. So I'm a little, a little smidge concerned. I'm just, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say under. Okay. I think I might be bold, but okay. I'm going to go under. I went over. <laughs> there we go. First, first disagreement on the board. Uh, moving to the Blue Jays, 92 and a half. I wish I knew what they had last year. Last year they had 92 wins, I think. Yeah, yep. Last year was 92 on the dot. Yep. And you said 92 and a half? 92 and a half. So will they be a better team? I'll go with the over. Okay. So I'll, Me too. I, my, I have to do more research, but my early prediction is going to be that Blue Jays win the division. That's my okay. early okay. thought. That could change. But just for the just for the listeners to know, the Pakoda has the Jays at 90, I believe. And for fan graphs, they have the Jays. 87 or 88? At 89. 89 so okay. it's all right in the ballpark, yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Rays. I surprised myself with this one, but Rays 88 and a half. Yeah, surprisingly, Travis, a lot of the projections like the Rays, which I am surprised I on. Over. You have the over. I have over 88 and a half. I just think that they've, they've you have got Baz, it. you have McClanahan, you have Glass now. You have so, so many guys. So if they guys, stay healthy. If, if, all yeah, th- if, if all they, three got hurt if they last still, year. If they stay healthy, and I know the spider attack thing might be uh, uh, something of, of a, you know, not a concern, but just something to keep an eye on. But, you know, Zach Eflin added to the bullpen. Um they had 86 wins last year, and it just seemed like they didn't make a big push on getting players this offseason. And it just seems like they're going to just kind of fall down more. But it's the Rays. I, I just I, I feel like 85 and a half. I, I think that they can do 89 or 90 wins. You know, I, I just feel like the AL East is destined for three teams having 90 wins or so. So um, I have the over on that. But for for Tampa Bay, what do you got? It's very tough, Travis. I, I, and you know what? Hey, 
I'm I, being put I, on the spot. Right but now, I, I just want this to be an exercise where you just look at it and and you kind of just give me your two to three second thought and just give me the over. Go with my gut, under. you're saying? Yeah, just go with your gut. Yeah, yeah. We have time to make the drive to Las Vegas and we have we can we can have these. Discussions we can sit in the, in the hotel room and ponder for a bit. We we me and Alex. We always go down to the lobby and go to the sports book and get all the bets and the odds. And then we go back to the room and then we analyze. It's kind of sad, but yeah. <laughs> For the race, Travis, I'm, I'll go I'll go with my thought. I'm going to go with under. I okay. think that they're really smart. Um, they're going to always be good and relevant, mm-hmm. but um, they're really injury prone last year. Um, their next man up system is pretty good. But I just remember that lineup last year. The lineup was just always a it's, question, it's question, question marks, mark. It's question marks mark. across the board. It so, is. It is. Um, especially after that wild card series with only scoring what like two or one run through like 25 innings and i'll just just for the listeners to know pakoda has them at 86 which was the same amount of wins they had last year and fangraphs has them at 88 so like i like all these got all these projections right in the ballpark of, of the vegas odds yep yep all right bottom two uh red sox 77 and a half I'm kind of a Red Sox hater right now, <laughs> but both Fangraphs and Pakoda have the over. Really, really. Pakoda okay. has 80 wins. Fangraphs actually has 83, a winning record, which would surprise I, me for sure. It, I'll say this: it wouldn't surprise me if they have a winning record, just because I feel like it's the Red Sox. But also, no Bogarts, no Story, no JD, no JD. You're running an infield with Kike I, yeah, and. Christian Arroyo and you're and you're throwing out what Tristan Casas and you're saying like can you be I mean an all-star first baseman for us I mean Devers is going to be Devers who's catching for them Reese McGuire I think so and you got Verdugo and and then you know the the Japanese guy that you had in your top yeah, 20 Yoshida. which I mean the numbers I mean, like you mentioned it, it could be very good but could it be also kind of like a Seiya Suzuki where it's not it's not it's so up and much down, of yeah. the consistently good season so and the starting rotation is question marks as well james paxton i'll go under travis i'll go under you and i travis we're gonna prove the nerds wrong no no yeah whoever made fan graphs they're gonna be wrong and we're gonna be right yeah i have under on that one as well i I just don't see the red sox getting right now into the 500 category um next one was tough orioles 77 and a half same as the red sox they won 83 games last year alex and I just think that they're a team that maybe it, they're 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 climbing. They're 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 preparing for something come 2024, 2025. I definitely, definitely think. But I just think they maybe had a, too much of a good luck streak last year that Ooh. they might take a little bit of a fall back. I'm not saying they're gonna be a 70 win team. I'm just saying I think they're gonna be somewhere in that 75, 76. Who knows? 77. I mean, I, I've made these bets for Alex, and I literally can tell you on the last day, I am literally praying that the Oakland A's win one more game yeah. in their 60 games out of first place. But I'm just, I'm, I'm praying because that game matters. Through. But yeah, I have the under on the Orioles 77 and a half. I just don't know if they can hit that good luck. I think it was last year. They didn't, they go through like on an, it was like one month of like, it was like 25 and, or it wasn't 25, but it, it was, it was some outrageous winning, you know, percentage in a month last year. And it's like, is this a lot of variance there that's yeah, kind of positive yeah. for them so they're 77 and a half you said 77 and a half fangraphs has the over at 78 okay pakoda has the under at 74 so all the similar ballpark i will go under as okay. well you pretty much were reading my mind when you said um that they just 
uh, kind of got hot last year. I think they're still early. I think yeah. they're building this really great rebuild. Yes. I just don't think that they are quite um, everyone's ready yet. I think we mm-hmm. still have to see um, a lot out of guys like you know Grayson Rodriguez is like one of their top prospects. Still Gunner, have to see. Still have to see him in the big leagues. Gunner Gunner's gonna be good. Yes. He's gonna be yeah. good. I don't know if he's gonna have a great year this year. He's gonna be pretty solid though. Adley is a superstar already. Mm-hmm. Mount Castle's decent. He's he's an above average first baseman, I think, or you know, he he right. And th- th- I think th- the wall just screws. Him. Th- there's <laughs> these guys like Mount Mount Castle, Santander, Hayes, where there's solid production, but I don't think it's quite full enough of a team for me to say that they're gonna yeah um just keep on keep on pushing. I, I don't. I, I think I'm I think ha- they're gonna have under their win total from last year. I think they're gonna take a little bit of a step back. And last year they were 83. So, so oh, I'm taking that under, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I have them under 77 and a half, though. I just think that they're going to take a little bit of a step back. And they're still, of course, building for that um, 2024, 2025 or so when they can at least be um, – you know, a team looking at, you know, maybe a top three in the American League East. But that covers the American League East. Alex, now to the National League East. Start with the Mets. 101 wins last year. Right now, Vegas has them at 95 and a half. Over or under? Let me see here. 99 and a half? No, no, 95. Oh. 95 and a half. I'm sorry, that's the Mets or the Braves? That's the Mets. New York Mets, 95 and a half wins. So yeah, Fangraphs actually has them at 91. They have the Braves higher. So that's okay. really interesting. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go under. I think okay. that they're not going to be... It's really tough. I think the they're Verlander, not... The the... Right. I think there's like injury possibility there. There's some regression possibly from Scherzer, Verlander. Um, I still think that they're really... They had a really good offseason. They yep. kept the guys they needed to keep. Um, they're going to be a solid team. They might win the division still, but it'll be a tough race with the Braves. Oh, is it Quintana, they got um, uh, the, the Japanese guy. Uh, yeah, Senga. Senga. Kodai Senga. Um, Omar Navarez, which I, last night I thought he was still a brewer, but he's. I guess they just wanted more depth. And, yeah. And it's just kind of – it's just funny Catch, how Cohen Catcher works. insurance, It's yeah. just Co- Cohen literally is working in depth as well. He's like, oh, let's get another good catcher and let's just go out there and get um, – Omar Navarez, but um, I think that there's just lots of good moves that yeah. kept Diaz and stuff. But um, last year felt like the first half was just really special. Second half they still were really mm-hmm, good, mm-hmm, even though the Braves are a mm-hmm. bit better. I I just think that they're still going to be a playoff team. I'm just not going to have them okay. as a like hundred win team like last year. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I went over. <laughs> I think that they could still be pushing for that 97, 98 wins for the season. Um, Moving to the Braves, one game under them, 94 and a half for the Atlanta Braves. 94 and a half? 94. Is that the same? It Mets were 95. Oh, okay, got it. Braves were 94. Hard so for me to visualize here. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, Braves, so Fangraphs has them at 93. I'll say it's tough because I'm trying to think about the division strength and the bottom of the division is pretty weak. I think it's, it's really weak. And also you're not playing that as much though. You're playing that's all true. the entire league now. So that, that's one thing you got to factor in with some uh, of these teams. I'll go ahead and I'll say under, I say, I'll, I'll say that both the Mets and the Braves yep. will be around like 94 wins Agreed. or something like that. Agree. You're going under. I, I went under with the Braves. I think they take a step back this year. I don't think they're going to win the division. I, I think that, I think I've been on that too much. So 
pat on the back to Travis. Uh, I, but I respect. I, I respect the I, uh, flexibility. I, I don't think the Braves, um, but you know, they always seem to surprise me. They always come back to the division. They're always sixteen games back, and then they make some giant August monumental, you know, run. But um, I have them under as well. Phillies eighty nine and a half for the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they what they won eighty eight games last year or did they win 90 games i don't think they were i don't think they were in the 90s last year they were the sixth seed so they really squeaked in and their playoff push almost gives people like a higher yeah opinion of them than yep. they maybe earned from last year's regular I, season i think people have better thoughts on marsh they have better a better thought on hoskins they have a better um you know you lose segura but you take trey turner you know right. trey turner is the biggest guy to get i think they also got what david robertson they got the Detroit Tigers lefty um, uh, Soto uh, reliever. Yeah, so they definitely they definitely bolstered things up. Dombrowski yeah, was yeah, doing his yeah. thing. Um, eighty nine and a half. That's funny. Pakoda has an eighty nine point six win simulated win percent win. Uh, so yeah. it's almost exactly the yeah. same. Yeah. Fangraphs is gonna have them at eighty five. Okay. I'll, I'll take the under. I'll take the really under. okay. All three unders right now. I think that I don't know what that means about like, maybe the Marlins are going to are going to yeah, be my sneaky yeah, team, but yeah. um, I I just think that um, there's a lot to like, but like we said, they we we're, our opinion is too based on the postseason last year instead of the regular yeah. season. They were really good after the new manager came in, but they're going to miss some time from Harper, I think, on his surgery. I think Schwarber and Castellanos are going to be unreliable outfielders. Mm-hmm. Marsh has to be the everyday center fielder. Yep. They traded away uh, Veerling. Veerling, yep. Um, he was going to be your other guy for center field. I mean, Marsh, Travis, I love him because he was yeah. an angel. I yep. liked rooting for him and stuff. I think there's still some flaws in his offensive plate uh, approach and stuff like that. A lot of swing and miss there, a lot of high strikeout guy. Um, I hope he succeeds, but there's definitely a chance where his offense is just a big minus for them. And he still keeps his spot because that outfield defense is so needed. It's such a big need, that center yep. field glove considering how bad they are in the corner outfield defense. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they're going to be an, a new look to a team that got hot last year, but you know, I'm not, I'm not super high on them okay. making another huge run. They still can definitely be good. They can still make a wild card, Okay, but um, I'm going to go ahead and say under. Okay. Okay. Um, for this one, I went with the over. Um, okay. I think that they could be a 91 team and I think they can be a 90. I think their ceiling is like 95. I think that that's probably what we're looking at, but you're right. I think they could even go back to a 500 team. You know, we don't know. I just think that the with with the offense they have, it just it, it to me it looks really strong. Um, Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, you know, Hoskins. I don't know when Harper is going to be in the lineup, but I just think that it, it could be a, a very very fun lineup. But 89 and a half is what they have right now. Marlins 75 and a half for the Miami Marlins with all those magnificent moves they've made. We've been really critical of them, Travis. I'm going to say over. I think that, Really? Okay. okay. I think that uh, I don't like a lot of the moves they've made, but um, I might be a little cheating a little bit here because Fangraphs and Pakoda both have them, I think, 79-ish wins. Almost 500. That's And, and I think that most wow. of it comes down to... They should have really good pitching, I think, and I think yeah. those young arms are becoming MLB ready arms. But you lose Pablo, which I mean, you, you do. It's really weird that you do trade away Pablo, um, but Sandy should still be Sandy. I think their best pitching prospect, Yuri Perez. I think yep. I think I saw on Fangraphs that it was a 2023 projected 
um, they say like the ETA, the estimated yeah. time of arrival. I think that he might be uh, pitching in the big leagues this year. We'll see at the MLB level. But yeah, Genesis Cabrera, 6-2, Sanchez, those two guys as well. I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, upside in the pitching side of things at least. Yeah. But I think that uh, I'll go over. Okay. Uh, are you going to go under? I want to go under. I, I, to me, I'm, I just don't it's weird because you go into that higher 70s then you're really creeping into that 500 range and i'm i just i'm i'm just wondering if if the marlins are even yeah they're not going to play the mets braves and phillies as much as they used to but i just don't yeah they might beat up my nationals but i just don't know if the marlins are i don't know i just didn't really buy into them getting a lot better from i agree from, from this offseason i don't know i just i just i look at their I look at their infield defense and I'm wondering, is this even going to be, you know, fun to watch with, let's see, it's Segura at third and, you know, what is it? Wendell at short, right? From the just, from the just projections, but Wendell at short. And then you got um, Luis Arias at second. And I think Garrett Cooper at first, you got jazz in center, which it'll be fun to see what he can do up there. But um, 76 wins or more, it, it does seem a little bit um, stretching it, but again, We've seen crazier things. So um, I took the under on that one. And then this one was tough. This one was really tough, Alex. The Nationals, 60 and a half. Wow. So I'll tell you this. That, I took I took the under. That is a low number, though. I, I looked at their roster before this, and I did a little bit of a little cheating because I looked at their roster and, and went around everyone. I just... No, that's fine. You know, Kiebert Ruiz is their star catcher. CJ Abrams is their star shortstop. Um, both guys haven't really completely put it together. Dominic Smith is their first baseman. Um, Lane Thomas is their outfielder with some other guys. And then you got Strasburg and you got Mackenzie Gore. I, I heard that Strasburg's I, already hurt. I, I, it's just like yeah, a disaster. I, I, and I was even thinking, even if Strasburg pitches ever in his life again, but I, I just look at the Nationals. I just say, I, I just don't know. Like, this is just a minor league team right now. Like, them and the Oakland A's are just are they're going to be two teams to keep eyes on for like how bad could we go you know um i have them under 16 and a half alex i have I, last year alex they were 55 wins that's so, so crazy it's just crazy to think that they were under 60 last year so will they beat that and i just they got worse you know they didn't get better they got worse i mean they got better for the future but and that was with one soto for three quarters of the year so um 16 and a half for you what do you think the, <laughs> what do you think the nationals i'm gonna go over okay. i think that yes they're not they did not get better uh in in the short term but i do think that last year would you say 56 wins last year no no last year's 55 i think that is a product of bad luck i don't yeah. think you can be that bad yeah. honestly I, yeah. I think if you're losing like 105 plus games i think that is down to like Things just were not going your way yeah, in any yeah. stretch of the imagination. So because of that, I'm going to go ahead and say over. Fangraphs has them as the second worst record in baseball with 66 wins. And Pakoda has them as the worst record in baseball with, where were they? 61 wins. So they're like the one of two 100 lost teams. Yeah, yeah. But um, these projections are fun. But yeah, I, I, I think that I'll take the over just because... Yes, a team can win fewer than 60 games, but mm. I think that's mostly a product of bad luck. I think even the worst possible MLB caliber teams are going to win around 60, maybe a little bit more games just because, I mean, over 100 losses. I mean, I mean, there's like a famous quote, you're going to win a 30-year games and lose a 30-year games no matter what. And I think that they're going to win 
enough games just because there 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 are MLB players on their team. Uh, it's not. I mean, you said it's a minor league team, which is kind of right, yeah. but it, it is. A, a high level prospect minor league team but, right and you and know it, i'm not sure exactly when all their the guys they got in these halls for trey turner max scherzer juan soto i'm not sure when they're all going to start making their debuts but you know i think that there's definitely impact players on the horizon this year it's probably going to be really bad but i think the random the variation that's possible i think that there's more likely that they're going to overperform from last year so mm-hmm. that, that, that's where i'm at okay Okay. Okay. Um, and, and just looking, just to be funny, Pakoda has percent chances to win the division for the Nationals, zero point zero. Chance of making the wild card, zero point zero. Chance of making the playoffs, zero point zero. So, not not that much high hopes. Um, not that much high hopes at all yeah, from uh, yeah. from that standpoint. Yeah, you'd be, uh, you be. I guess you'd be smart to put you know a buck on them in in Vegas for uh, five bucks. You yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. Washington winning the NL. Just put Nationals over. Oakland A's in the 2023 World Series. You'll probably you'll probably turn into like a billionaire if you make that bet. One dollar bet. Tom Smith's like gonna that. go Barry Bonds. Yeah, and they probably might even say we're not even taking that bet. It's it's it. We don't want to take that money, and we just we even if we lost this for some. <laughs> it, it's like the shocking world world ending, insane way that the Nationals were to beat the Oakland A's. They would be like, yeah. There's, it's just, there's that funny like 10 second Family Guy clip where Peter goes to the the. The uh, uh, counter, you, the, the, the betting the, counter, the teller yeah, guy, yeah. and he's like, "I want to, I want to bet ten dollars." And he's like, "Oh, would you like to pick a bet?" He's like, "Nah, just take it." Just, just like take they, it. They, 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 that's pretty much picking the Nationals that's to, right. to win it that's all. That's right. That's right. But yeah. uh, Travis, that that was fun. That was good. So in the coming episodes, you know, we'll do center field or uh, what's it called? Uh, NL and AL Central next week, and then the following week we'll do the uh, AL and NL West. So that's a that's a fun little end of episode game to play. Um, in the coming weeks. Next week, Travis, we also are going to talk a bit more about our top 25 players in MLB and any other news that goes on. Because, Travis, next time we record, there will be games played. Ooh, there yes. will be, you know, a few probably minor storylines. Maybe Alex, some, we, are, we are 48 hours away. I think we're less. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, less, it's less. right there You're knocking right. on the door. Um, you know, spring training games around the corner this weekend we get to watch our favorite players take the field. So I couldn't be more excited, Travis. I know you are excited too. So next week, there should be plenty to talk about again, just like there was um, on this episode. If you made it this far all the way to the end, uh, we appreciate you so much. And we will be talking to you guys again next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>